0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Dispelling Anti-Mormon Lies, Myths and Rumors. My name is Jeremy Goff, and today I'm going to be talking the topic of Nephite killing Laban. Oh, welcome back to Infant Nursery Hour. You want someone to preach to you? With your host, Glenn Ostland. You want religion, do you? It's sharing time. There will be many willing to preach to you the philosophies of men mingled with humor. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh.
1: Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. You know, you know what I haven't done in a while. I haven't done a decent Jeremy Goff smackdown, and um, yeah, it's time. I think it's time for a, a decent one, a decent Jeremy Goff smackdown. And shout out to Jeff Caldwell, Jeff. Thank you for letting me know about uh, Jeremy's recent blog about why people leave the church. It was quite insightful. Yeah, not. And I'll address that in a future episode. But this is one that he put out, I don't know, a month, maybe two months ago, about why Nephi killing Laban really ought to be a a good thing, a testimony builder. There shouldn't be any problem at all with the story of Nephi killing Laban, And I've been meaning to sit down and do this for a while. And now I'm doing it. So without any further ado. (laughs) Yeah, all right. Watch out all you people who don't know how things actually are. Jeremy Goff, Jeremy Goff. Super anti-truthy fighter Jeremy Goff. Spins his webs of actual truth. He's the bestest anti-Mormon set you straight sleuth.
0: Hey there. There goes your Jeremy Goff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Dispelling Anti Mormon Lies, Myths and Rumors. My name is Jeremy Goff, and today I'm going to be tackling the topic of Nephi killing Laban and addressing how this is 100% within not only historical context, but it's within the commandments and how there really should be no issue for anyone who's honest with themselves. All right, perfect. So let's recap.
1: This is 100%, 100%, 100% historically accurate or the accuracy of historical context. I don't know how much you want to fudge with that word of context, but 100% and 100% in accordance with scripture and the commandments of God. So there shouldn't be a problem for anybody if they're honest. So if you do have a problem with it, then you're just not honest. I mean, Jeremy is setting it up. He is setting it up
0: really sweetly. Let's go back, Jeremy Goff. There really should be no issue for anyone who's honest with themselves with this commandment of God to kill Laban. Before I get jumping in, it's always fun to see where people are watching from. So if you want to go ahead and post where you're watching from, it's fun and exciting to see people from all over the world who chime in and to see these things.
1: Which speaks to the old adage, of course, that one man's fun and exciting is another man's perplexing and terrifying. Why do people listen to this guy? Like why do people take Jeremy Goff seriously? Oh, it's it is perplexing and terrifying and fun and exciting. This week's topic is one that I
0: felt I should address in Sunday school.
1: Well, if you felt that you should address it while you were in Sunday school, I mean that means that the spirit is really telling you what to do here, right? So it's not just it's not just you on a whim, it's the spirit telling you while you were in Sunday school. It makes sense. It, it, it makes me want to listen more carefully
0: because truth, right? Now, in Sunday school, we were talking about the prodigal son and we were talking about what he did when he asked his father f- for his property. And it was interesting because I thought it was a little bit more common knowledge, but apparently it's not quite as much, that in Jewish culture, the act of asking for your inheritance and taking that property away from your dad is considered a capital offense.
1: Yeah, I I don't understand why that isn't a more well-known Jewish custom either, because it comes straight out of 1st Jubilations 13, verse 147, which says, "'Thou shalt not inherit thine inheritance.'" lest thou shalt be smitten with a smiting death. Stoning is always a good way to go, but don't also rule out the killing of the offender with his own sword, but only if he beeth drunken and unconsciouseth, for that is the way of the will of the Lord of God, of the loving Saboth forever and ever. Amen and amen. I mean, that comes right out of First Jubilations thirteen one forty seven. I don't, yeah, why wouldn't, why wouldn't people know that? Why wouldn't they just know that someone who inherits inherits their own inheritance, that that's a capital punishment? That that totally makes perfect sense, Jeremy Goff. I, I don't know why it's not more commonly known.
0: It is equal to saying, I wish you were dead. And if you take it, it's equal to saying, I physically have killed you, which is why the prodigal son went off to a far country. He had to get outside of the realms of the Mosaic Law. Otherwise, his brother or his father would have had the right to kill him. Which also then leads to explain why his father was waiting and why his father, when he saw him a far way off, came running up to him, embraced him, kissed him, and said, put on the ring, put on the robe, this is my son. He was once dead, but now he's alive. Through his actions, he committed a capital offense worthy of death. And through the father's pardon, he was now pardoned. Truly, you have a dizzying intellect. Wait till I get going. Now, it's important to understand that cultural aspect because that is through the law of Moses, that the property somebody has is their livelihood. To steal it is a capital offense worthy of death. Oh, I, I see where you're
1: going here, Jeremy. So you're going to say that because Laban stole the property that Nephi and his family actually gave him, but stole it, that then they were justified in killing Laban under the law, right? But, uh, I mean, wasn't there, like, some kind of process, like due process? They, there there must have been. It couldn't have just been vigilante law where they, he, he could just kill anybody. They'd have to, like, go to a court or something like that. I don't know. I, I, it's been a long time since I've read the entire book of jubilations. But um, I don't know. Let's see where
0: you're going with this, Jeremy. Now, the other thing to understand is that in the Ten Commandments, we read the English translation, thou shalt not kill, as commandment number six. That is not what the Ten Commandments means to the Jews.
1: Right. I mean, kind of like how the honor your father and your mother commandment doesn't really mean that to the Jews either. I mean, it, it means like kind of, you know, pick and choose the things that your parents tell you that you want to honor or not, you know, I mean, that's how I've always lived it going, gone by the Jewish thing. So it's probably the same thing. Like thou shalt not kill, you know, unless, you know, you should, you know? So one of those like really clear 10 commandments to the Jewish
0: people, thou shalt not kill is actually more correctly translated. Thou shalt not murder. And the difference between killing and murder is very important to kill means to kill anyone, to, to shed blood. To murder means to shed innocent blood. It is to take someone's life without just cause. Wow, that's a pretty
1: slippery slope you've already introduced for us there, Jeremy. So what is the just cause? Like, I mean, pretty much anybody who kills anybody else feels that there's some kind of a just cause behind it, right? I don't know. I mean, I've never killed anybody. I've killed uh, caterpillars. I used to kill caterpillars a lot when I was a kid. I'd torture them. But I, I didn't murder them because those caterpillars, they were not innocent. They would eat the leaves. They would make like holes in the leaves and the stuff. They deserved death, really. So, yeah, okay. So, as long as somebody deserves to die, then it's okay to kill them, is basically what you're saying. That's cool. All right. I don't have a problem with that because, you know why? Because I'm honest.
0: Now, once you understand that, all of a sudden you start having a whole lot less issues with a lot of things. Like when there is a war and you are drafted as a soldier and you're fighting in a war, you are engaged in a war. And you're not murdering people, you're killing them. And there's a big difference there. But that's not even the point that I'm going to go over today. The point I'm going to go over is what Laban did. And how what he did constituted not just one, but two capital offenses against Lehi and Lehi's entire family and how Nephi was 100% justified within the law to execute Laban. So first off, when Nephi goes to cover the brass plates, the very first thing he does is, well, Laban goes and tries to, uh, Laman tries to go to Laban and convince him to give up the brass plates. And Laban had nothing for it. So they come back and they're like, what are we going to do? And Nephi decides, hey, we're going to take our property and we're going to offer to buy the brass plates. So they took all their property and they went to Laban and they offered to exchange property for the brass plates. Now, the scriptures say that Laban coveted the property and that he sent men after Nephi and his brothers to kill them in order to take their property. So there we have a double capital offense. Not only was he trying to steal their livelihood and their inheritance, which is capital offense number one, he was trying to do so by the sword. And had he been able to succeed, he would have murdered them. So not only was it an attempted murder, it was an attempted murder twice because he's stealing their property as well.
1: So Laban, Laban was like a bad guy, right? Like Laban actually, like bad people deserve to die, right? If they if they attempt to murder you or they steal your stuff, they just deserve it. And anybody who has a problem with that, not honest.
0: And so now. When you come to Nephi, Nephi goes into the city. Nephi is being led by the Spirit, doesn't know what he's supposed to do. Verse 6 of chapter 4 says, And I was led by the Spirit, not knowing beforehand the things which I should do. Nephi didn't know what was going on. When he finds Laban, the very first thing he does is pull out his sword. Now, that's not a normal thing you'd do if you find someone who's drunk. You don't pull out their sword and check their sword. But if you have someone who's been trying to kill you, The very first thing you do is you do disarm them. Now, he looks at his sword, and then the spirit says, kill him. And it's really important to understand what Nephi says here. Nephi says, and I said in my heart, never at any time have I shed the blood of man, and I shrunk and would that I might not slay him. Nephi does not say, never have I shed innocent blood. Dude. He says, never have I shed any blood.
1: Yeah, so, I mean... What does that tell you then? Like you're the one that's making a distinction, Jeremy, between innocent and non-innocent, and killing and murder. Like the the repulsion that the character Nephi in the fictional story of Nephi killing Label, Laban <laughs> felt. That that was that he just didn't want to kill another person, whether they were innocent or not. I I don't I don't know why you made that point like how does how does making that point help you i don't get it jeremy goff but i mean it doesn't matter whether i get it or not because i also am recording this not knowing beforehand what i'm gonna say or how i'm gonna do it so i'm kind of like doing my own nephi 3 7
0: i'm going and doing jeremy goff i'm going and doing he said never have i said any blood, the guilty or the innocent. And it's important to understand that because Nephi is not trying to absolve himself and saying that Laban is innocent and he doesn't have the right to die. Nephi is saying, hey, just because I have the right to kill him doesn't mean I want to. I've never killed anyone and I don't want to kill somebody.
1: Wait, so, so you're claiming that Nephi is acknowledging that he has, well, first of all, that Laban is guilty and he therefore has the right to kill him, but he just doesn't want to? You're, that, that's a stretch, man. That is a huge
0: stretch. Now, in the next verse, the Spirit then goes ahead and it outlines why. It says, And the Spirit said unto me again, Behold, the Lord has delivered him into your hands. Yea, and I also knew that he had sought to take away my life. Strike number one, capital offense. Yea, and he would not hearken to the commandments of the
1: Lord. Strike number two. Wait, not obeying the commandments of the Lord is also a capital offense? That's also strike number two? Did they even have baseball back then?
0: Yay, and he also had taken away our property. Now, not only is this the justification for killing Laban, this is one of the greatest testaments that the Book of Mormon is true.
1: It's just one of the greatest testaments because there's so many. There's so many that show that the Book of Mormon is true. All you have to do is really like look at it and ask yourself some questions and go oh yeah it's definitely definitely true I mean my my favorite part is how um, <laughs> I just I just was watching this in uh, oh stranger things that's what it was I was I was finishing up stranger things season three and there's this scene where uh, some Russian guards get shot and so the grown-ups in, in stranger things put on The uniforms of the Russian guards Kind of like Indiana Jones When he puts on the Nazi uniform After he's ridden across the ocean On top of a submarine Anyway, so they, they put on these Uniforms of the guards that they just shot And I noticed in one of the scenes That there were like bullet holes In the back of the The shirt that one of them was wearing Which I thought was a really funny detail To add in the costuming That there's bullet holes but no blood You know, so they're trying to make it as accurate as possible without being accurate, because there'd be quite a bit of blood. And in the same vein with Nephi killing Laban, there'd just be a lot of blood, you know. So I know I'm jumping ahead in the story, but for Nephi to kill Laban and then put on his clothes and then pass himself off as Laban to the servants, like, they'd be like, why is there so much blood on you, master? Wilt thou have us do with some laundry for thou? I mean, I think that's what would have actually happened. But anyway, I I love it, Jeremy, that you see that Nephi killing Laban is one of the greatest testaments that the Book of Mormon is true. So I I just can't wait to hear what you're saying on this. Let's let's get back to you and the world that's real
0: to you. Because in 1820, someone stealing your property wasn't a capital offense.
1: Yeah. So how how could how could Joseph Smith have known this? He could, he couldn't have known that back in Jewish times, someone inheriting their inheritance or like stealing property was a capital. Like they couldn't have known that. It's just there's no other explanation,
0: none. So why would Joseph Smith, if he was making up the Book of Mormon, use this as justification to kill someone? Because nobody in New England reading this story would associate. He stole my property. I'm going to kill him. Truly, you have a dizzying intellect. Wait till I get going. They would say that's an outlandish claim. That's an outlandish logic. That doesn't make sense. I
1: I think you're right. I think they would call it outlandish. Say, that, that's uh, outlandish, Joe. That's outlandish. You just take that rubbish uh, away. It's outlandish. Which is exactly what they did say. Uh, except for the ones who
0: didn't. But Joseph didn't write the Book of Mormon. Nephi wrote the Book of Mormon. Nephi wrote the Book of Mormon within his cultural context. Joseph Smith translated that. This is one of those points that is saying, this is true, this is authentic. Joseph Smith wouldn't have known this. Most people today don't even know this.
1: You're that smart. Let me put it this way. Have you ever heard of Plato, Aristotle, Socrates? Yes, morons.
0: That when you take some of the property, it is a capital offense under the Mosaic law. And the next verse, verse 12, says, And it came to pass, the Spirit said unto again, Slay him, for the Lord has delivered him into your hands. And so now Nephi is struggling. The Spirit is saying, You are justified under the law given by God to Moses to kill him. You are justified to execute him. He has committed a capital offense, not just against you, but against your family. Not just has he done these bad things to you, but he's disobedient to God as a whole. He's giving Nephi a lot of reasons why he should exercise his legal right to execute Laban for his sins and his crimes. Nephi still doesn't want to do it. Nephi's justified, but he doesn't want to kill Laban. Now, in verse 13 is when the Lord finally gives Nephi the reason that Nephi realizes, oh, you know, I will exercise my legal right and I will execute him. It says, And the Lord slayeth the wicked to bring forth righteous purposes. It is better that one man should perish than a nation should dwindle and perish in unbelief. Yeah, okay, well, so, but, but here's the thing,
1: Jeremy Goff. It may have taken a thousand years in the Book of Mormon narrative, but eventually that whole nation did fall away and dwindle in unbelief, even though one man was killed for it. I mean, does that mean anything? I mean, just like, I, I think it's dangerous, dude. I think it's super, super dangerous to have this kind of a doctrine, especially at the very front, the very beginning of the Book of Mormon, where you say, I'm going to believe in a God. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe in a God that talks through prophets. So I don't always get direct, uh, you know, revelation from God, the way that Nephi was having God whisper in his ear saying, kill him. No, we get that through our prophets, that we just put our faith and trust in, our leaders. And if they tell us, then it's the same thing as God telling us. And if they say, well, this person or this thing is wicked, and it needs to be killed, you know, and and it doesn't even have to be, it doesn't even have to be killing, you know, it doesn't even have to be like this capital offense. It could be this group of people are bad. And they need to be shunned, and even if you're not calling it shunned we we'll, we'll we'll commit social genocide to groups of people that we disapprove of because they're not obeying the commandments i it just it's not to me it's so counter you know it's, it's one one of the reasons I just struggled with church so often was because i I loved the messages of charity and love and forgiveness. And I think that charity and love and forgiveness are really the things that free you up. It brings peace to your soul. Just, just stop hanging on to the offenses and all these things. You you forgive. You you find personal peace. To me, I think that's where you find salvation and atonement and paradise and celestial glory and whatever other words you want to do it. I so I I I felt that as a kid growing up, and then I would see things like this where it's a message that's saying, oh, no, not only don't forgive people for their offenses, but exact vengeance, you know, (laughs) like some people deserve death. Or, I just, I, I don't like this message, Jeremy. I'm just being honest. That's me being honest right there, that I don't like this message. And I don't believe... That this actually happened, dude, but anyway, we'll talk more about that later let's this is about you this is this this is about you, Jeremy, and letting you explain your thought processes and why this all makes sense to you so that's that's what I'm commenting on and listening
0: to so I want to listen to more
1: let's go back to you jeremy
0: and now when i I heard these words, I remembered the words that the Lord spake unto me. In the wilderness, saying, "Inasmuch as thy seed shall keep my commandments, they shall prosper in the land of promise." And uh, yea, and I also thought that they could not keep the commandments of the Lord according to the law of Moses, save they should have the law. And I also knew that the law was engraved upon the plates of brass. And again, I knew that the Lord had delivered Laban into my hands for this cause, that I might obtain the records according to the commandments. So Nephi now realizes: not only do I have the legal right, twice. Not only has is Laban gonna do bad things if I don't kill him, it is going to cost me and my seed, my children and my grandchildren their salvation. But how? How how is it going to cost
1: their salvation? Like how? How is it gonna cost them their salvation? I don't I don't get it. The the brass plates were like the genealogy of the fathers, it was their stories of like Adam and Eve. It was their Old Testament, right? Aren't you learning anything from... I, I, I don't know. I mean, like if God can talk to prophets, if God could talk to prophets and told them these stories where they wrote them down once, why couldn't he do them again? If, if you know, he creates this Leahona in the wilderness, this, this little ball that text appears on every morning and tells them where to go to get food and which direction to go. You know, if God's able to do stuff like that, he could do that. And, you know, there's, (laughs) there's other ways that these messages, these stories, these customs, these beliefs, these doctrines, whatever is contained in the brass plates could be continued just by virtue of God revealing it to another prophet. And having him write it down, maybe engraving it on, I don't know, gold plates instead of brass? I mean, is that going to happen? And, you know, then then for the argument that, um, well, if Nephi hadn't killed Laban, then Laban would chase after him and get him. Well, how'd that work out for Pharaoh when he was chasing the children of Egypt out across the Red Sea? And... The Lord opened up the Red Sea and the Israelites went through on dry land and then the Pharaoh and the evil Egyptians came through and the sea crashed and God killed them all and saved them. Do we not believe in those kinds of miracles, Jeremy Goff? I mean, there's just so many, like, inconsistencies. Do you believe the stories that are in here or do you don't believe the stories that are in here? I guess that's probably the issue that I have is that, you know, these stories... Can teach principles but if you don't learn the principles like love and forgiveness and charity and and you're so attached to the literalness of these stories i I think you just lose your way i don't know it just it
0: bothers me jeremy goff it bothers me and so nephi doesn't kill laban because he had the right to nephi doesn't kill laban because laban is a bad dude nephi finally decided to kill laban because those justifications were there but also because he realized the cost of not killing him so not only was he justified legally morally he's also justified spiritually all right so you've got legal
1: moral and spiritual justification I, that is a complete three pattern right there you've got the trifecta all right sharpen that sword let's get let's get
0: this execution going Therefore, I did obey the voice of the spirit, and I took Laban by the hair of his head, and I smote off his head with his own sword. But no blood, no no blood came
1: out. It's just it's just like a head, cleanly cut, because the sword of Laban had like these special cauterizing powers. It was kind of like had it it was it might have actually been the flaming sword that Cherubim appeared to Joseph Smith with and said, "I'm going to kill you if you don't." have sex with young girls. But if, if it was really this like flaming sword, it could have like cauterized the wound immediately so that there was no blood that came out and didn't spoil the garment. That's probably what happened. I, you know, I bet if I, if I seriously floated that idea
0: by Jeremy Goff, he'd probably go for it. That is an execution. That is not murdering somebody. That's not killing somebody. That is executing somebody according to your legal right
1: oh yeah well what about when King Joffrey executed Ned Stark like did he have the legal right to execute Ned Stark and was that okay
0: that is taking upon yourselves the Avenger of Blood the person who's been wronged Laban had committed capital offenses against Nephi and his family and in verse 18 of chapter 4 Nephi extracts his right as the legal victim of attempted murder in executing the offender of that crime. 48,000 people,
1: 48,000 people follow Jeremy Goff's Facebook page and watch these videos. 48,000 are subscribing to this stuff, like eating it up, lapping it up. 48,000
0: Oh, man
1: forty eight thousand
0: so not only should Nephi killing Laban not be an issue, Nephi killing Laban should actually be a huge testimony builder It should huh? Did't anybody ever tell you you shouldn't
1: shoot should on people? I mean that's kind of an ironic thing to say you shouldn't shoot should on people you shouldn't
0: you shouldn't shoot should on people because there is not a chance that Joseph Smith knew this much Hebrew tradition and this much Hebrew culture. And law and doctrine. This is ridiculous. Yes, it is
1: ridiculous
0: to assume or to claim that Joseph Smith knew this in the first place. And so I find it ironic that one of the strongest testimonies of the Book of Mormon, Satan turns around and tries to use to break people's testimonies. You know, Satan's just kind of like that,
1: Jeremy. He's he likes the ironic stuff. Like for him, he calls it the ironic priesthood. It's just like he does the ironic stuff trying to take things that are so clear and true and pure and twisting them around because that's
0: that's just how he rolls. So, the book is true. The Book of Mormon is real. Joseph Smith is a prophet of God. Nephi did not break the commandments. Not only would his nation have perished and dwindled in unbelief. Which uh, eventually it did. Our nation would have dwindled and perished in unbelief.
1: The people, my people are so smart.
0: If it wasn't for the coming forth of the Book of Mormon. I bear my testimony, I know these things are true. The church is true. President Nelson is a prophet of God. There is no anti that doesn't have a valid answer. And sometimes a valid answer is relying on the answers you already received. But like this right here, there are simple explanations to a lot of them. That's my testimony, the name is Christ, amen.
1: Amen, Jeremy Goff, 48,000 people. I mean, oh jeez. it's just, it's, it's mind blowing to me. Forty-eight thousand people listening to the and just, uh, I think it's a failure of our education system. I don't. I just. I don't. It makes me sad. But but look, here's the thing. You're probably a really good guy, Jeremy Goff. You just got these. I don't know. I, I I've I've said this before. I probably. I, I, I could have been a lot like you you know because of, because of the way that I loved the gospel the way that I loved the stories the way that I really wanted them to be true and and I would go through and do these kind of mental gymnastics things that I see you doing and I hope it serves you well in your life Jeremy Goff and congratulations on getting engaged I don't know if, if those listeners follow Jeremy Goff see that he's engaged and um to a girl he's been dating for two years which is interesting because when I saw that I remembered when he said once that dating sucks I hope she didn't hear that and think that but anyway that, things are fine with them things are going to be great I'm I'm confident of that anyway so this wraps up a Jeremy Goff smackdown hope you enjoyed it and um I'll be back with more Jeremy Goff some other time when I feel like it how's that for a deal huh This is Trent dwelling in the land of Mordor between two temples. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? And please come support Infants on Thrones on Patreon. Thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones. Infants on Thrones.